and welcome back into a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, and this is going to be a very fun podcast. The Nuggets now have won against the Philadelphia 76ers at home 100-97 in what was the biggest comeback in Nuggets history at the Pepsi Center in the fourth quarter. Um, Before I go any further and get into all of this chaos from this game, I just want to let you guys know that this this podcast is brought to you by Indochino and Roman. I'll have more conversations about them coming up later in the show, but make sure you look at the bio of this podcast and you go use those promo codes to get all kinds of free stuff. So, what are we going to talk about today? I'm going to recap the game. The I don't like recapping the game itself. It gets boring, but I do think this game was extremely important to hit some very particular things. So in this first segment, I'm going to recap the game briefly, but then I want to get into some macro takeaways, some things that have developed over these eight games so far, and... The way that this particular win has shed new light on where this Denver Nuggets team is. And this was always going to be on the table. I have been killing the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic for their lack of effort and lack of urgency all season long. Well, this was the kind of win that can snap a team out of a funk. And I want to get into all of those different thought processes and things like that. Then, as I love to do, we are going to have the mailbag portion of this podcast. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen now on on Twitter most of all, but some sometimes Instagram, sometimes elsewhere, I'd like to take questions from listeners and really try and provide a new um, bit of insight that maybe I would have overlooked if I didn't take questions from listeners. So being that the Nuggets hit a game winner in this game at home to get their six win and eight tries, it makes a lot of sense that there were a lot a lot of thoughts from Nuggets fans that were conveyed to me. So I'm going to you know pick, I think I had five once again like I like to do. And we'll get into all of those. So it's going to be a jam-packed podcast. Um, Before I get into this game recap, go check out the Regulators Production Group on Instagram, at Regulators Regime. The beats for the intro and outro of this podcast are so damn good, and I would not sound nearly as good on this microphone if it wasn't for them. So make sure to go check out the Regulators Production Group, as well as Terrap and Care Station, also as well as Roman, and as well as Indochino. So there's going to be a lot of good promos for you guys listening to this podcast, so make sure you use them. Let's get into this game. Um, I'm going to try and take this chronologically from like my takeaways from the first quarter and kind of develop them through as the game develops. And I think the most important distinction to make from the first quarter was, holy shit, Will Barton was good. This is what Thrill Barton was. This is exactly what the Nuggets had envisioned at the start of last season with Will Barton as the starter. And it's not just what the Nuggets envisioned. It's what Will Barton envisioned. He told me that after the game, that this is the player he thought he was going to be prior to having that injury. So in this game, he played 36 minutes, which was third most on the team behind Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. He was 8 of 12 shooting. Two of four from three, only missed one of his three free throws, had seven rebounds once again. And this is the thing his defensive rebounds were so important in this game because it increased the pace dramatically. Will Barton. He's a transition terror as an individual because he's so athletic, he's so fast, and he's so gifted at slashing to the rim and 
finishing through contact or finishing creatively. So just having him in the lineup is going to quicken the pace for them. But the fact that he has been such a tenacious rebounder on both ends, but specifically defensively, it has allowed the Nuggets to get out on the break much quicker off missed shots. And that was something you saw play out in this game, which is why the Nuggets ended up outscoring the 76ers in fast break points 18-6, to despite the fact that they only had a few more turnovers than Denver did. So Will Barton's inclusion in this lineup, when you add in his rebounding ability, has really given the Nuggets a lot more room to breathe as an offensive unit. When I get more into the macro takeaways of this team, I'll discuss why Will Barton's inclusion in the starting lineup has been so fortuitous for what the Nuggets have needed, but for now... I'm going to leave it there. Um, on top of Will Barton's offensive numbers, he also had two steals and a block shot in this game and was just overall very good defensively again. Tobias Harris is 6'9", 230 pounds. He is a significantly larger individual than Will Barton is, and yet Tobias Harris in this game was 6 of 14, which isn't great, but when you have 13 points on 14 shots and are a minus 9, that shows that Will Barton got the better of the matchup, which I did not anticipate. Not because Will Barton couldn't handle it, but because, again, he's giving up 35 pounds and 3 inches to the guy. That's a very difficult thing to overcome, but Will Barton did not back down, and he absolutely handled his defensive matchup with Tobias Harris. So, that was extremely promising in terms of, we have all seen Will Barton be a better defender this year, but it's maintained so far. It has been sustainable, and Will Barton, again, he was the Nuggets' second best player for three of these quarters until Nikola Jokic went nuclear in the fourth quarter. So the Nuggets don't win this game without Will Barton, and Will Barton's demise has been greatly exaggerated, and it's been very good to see him bounce back in a big way, because Will Barton is the heartbeat of this team emotionally. He's someone who works for everything. He's beloved by his teammates, so to see him finally be able to get back healthy and and be the player that everyone knows he can be has been nothing but awesome to see. Let's move on from Will Barton. I'll talk more about him later on. Paul Millsap, man. I don't care that Paul Millsap was 4 of 11 from the field. I don't care that he had... Oh, he didn't even have a turnover. Damn! Paul Millsap had a great game. Um... The shooting numbers I just don't care about right now because Paul Millsap's defense this season has been all defense worthy. And his off-ball defense on Joel Embiid in this game was absolutely spectacular. The one thing that Joel Embiid really struggles with is when teams send double teams to him. Um, And if they time it correctly, he doesn't have the mental acuity on the floor to recognize where the double is coming from, spin out of it, and find the open man. Joel Embiid has not become that guy yet despite the fact that he does command so many double teams. What the Nuggets did a phenomenal job of, of in this game is not really masking their double because they weren't hiding. Like they were going to come at him. They Joel Embiid knew that there was going to be bodies thrown at him, but it was the timing of it. It was the fact that the Nuggets know that Joel Embiid loves spinning to his right. So every time Joel Embiid was on the left side of the floor and he wanted to spin baseline, there was somebody just waiting for him to take that drop step to just jump in there and swipe at the ball, and that's why Joel Embiid had eight turnovers in this game. He had eight of the 17 turnovers for the Philadelphia 76ers, and not it wasn't just Paul Millsap. Gary Harris was great in this regard. Will Barton had a huge steal in the fourth quarter doing exactly this. This is what it comes down to. 
the term KYP is thrown around a lot in basketball, and all it is is know your personnel. It's knowing who the player is across from you and the correct way to defend them for how they play. The Nuggets were goddamn perfect in terms of KYP when defending Joel Embiid. Let him see, let him feel like it's a one-on-one situation. Let him get down and think that he's going to be able to attack Nikola Jokic, and the second the ball gets put on the deck, start coming up the baseline because you know he's going to spin that way from the scouting you've already done and make things disruptive and that is exactly what the Nuggets did and it's why Joel Embiid had what was a minus 10 in his only 28 minutes that he played tonight so again 19 points for Joel Embiid and 15 rebounds sounds good on paper but when you shoot 6 of 17 from the field and you have eight turnovers and you're a negative 10 in this game which was a team worst sorry second worst on the team that means that the Nuggets got the better of him, and it was all because of their game plan. And again, this is a perfect segue into Gary Harris because Gary Harris's defensive ability on the weak side was just as good as Paul Millsap's in this. And just like Paul Millsap, Jamal Murray or uh, Gary Harris has been playing all defense-worthy um, defense, to be <laughs> completely frank. So Gary Harris again, man, what like, he was only two of nine from the field. I don't care. Like he was so good defensively. There was moments where he was bodying up Tobias Harris in the post. Like Gary Harris was phenomenal in this game and the Nuggets don't win without their defense. Don't get me wrong. Gary Harris and Paul Millsap were struggling offensively combined. They were six of 20 from the field. So you don't want to see that, but Paul Millsap, despite going 4 of 11 from the field, was a plus 23 in a 3-point win. Gary Harris, despite going 2 of 9 from the field, was a plus 11 in a 3-point win. That speaks to their defense, and that is why they were able to to like contribute to this win in a massive way. The other thing, Nikola Jokic, man, Nikola Jokic played like Nikola Jokic. I don't think there's anything more exciting and more revealing to this game than that was the all-star that Nikola Jokic was last year. That's a first-team All-NBA center. That is the best center in basketball who absolutely handled the second-best center in basketball. This was exactly the kind of feel-good game that we needed to see from Nikola Jokic. So overall, his stats were great. Don't get me wrong. 26 points on 10 of 22 shooting. He had 11 rebounds. Bounds. They had six assists. He only had one turnover, had two steals and two block shots, played 38 minutes and was a plus 18. You can't really find fault with just the pure numbers, but it was the way he was playing. It was the fact that every time that he was getting into a set, he was doing it with urgency. Every screen he set, he was trying to tear the hip out of somebody. Every single time that he got the ball in the post, he was attacking. Whenever he saw an open man, he attacked first, drew the defense in, and kicked out. There was no passiveness with Nikola Jokic in this game. There was no part of him that was disconnected or disengaged. This was the Nikola Jokic that people remember from the playoffs. This was the best center in basketball playing like the best center in basketball. I know it just sounds like I'm repeating myself, but these are the things that the Nuggets needed to see. These are the things that Nikola Jokic needed to see because Nikola Jokic has been in a funk, and this is when, and I'll talk about him later on in the macro scale stuff, but this is Nikola Jokic looking like he's having fun again. And I, I maybe star players shouldn't have to have fun to be great, but Nikola Jokic does. He thrives off the joy of playing basketball. And when things aren't fun, when shots aren't falling, when things aren't working, he gets frustrated. But when things like this happen, having a game winner in that in that way and being able to carry the team, he had 16 of his 26 points in the fourth quarter of this game. He was the best player on the floor tonight, and this is a situation in which Nikola Jokic had fun. 
and he looked like he had fun. And that was something that was so important to see for me. So I'll talk about Nicole Jokic more going on, but that's where I'm at with him. A uh, couple or one bad thing about this game. Denver's bench was not good. Denver's bench continually keeps showing that they are just not what we thought they were. They ended up being uh, 5 of 15 shooting from the field. They only had 12 points in this game. Jeremy Grant was a minus 20 in 13 minutes. Mason Plumlee was a minus 15 in 10 minutes. Minutes. Torrey Craig was so bad he only played four minutes and Michael Porter Jr. took his spot in the rotation. Monte Morris was only one of four from the field and only had one assist. This this Nuggets bench unit's not there yet. I don't know what's going on with them yet, but it's just not there yet. So I'm actually going to have a piece diagnosing this Denver bench unit, hopefully coming out Sunday morning um, or Monday morning. I spoke exclusively with Monte Morris and Malik Beasley about this bench unit, so I'll have a piece up about it, but there's something going on with this bench unit and I can't quite place it. We're going to take our first break. I'll come back and we are going to discuss some macro takeaways now that the Nuggets are through eight games and why this game against Philly was such an important win for this Denver Nuggets team. So stick around. We'll be back in a second. lifestyle. I mean, think about RJ Barrett wearing a pink suit to the draft or the formal wear he's been wearing to tunnel walks and other events. Those are all Indochino suits and blazers. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. RJ Barrett's brand new collection with Indochino just dropped, featuring limited edition fabrics, jacket linings RJ helped pick out, and and design and the process is simple you just choose your fabric pick your customizations and submit your measurements your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks you can get measured and design your own suit at your nearest indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at indochino.com Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse to wear clothing that doesn't fit. different lens now that they finally looked like themselves because that seems like a weird thing to say because they were five and two before this game they were second in the western conference they were leading the northwest division but the Nuggets were not playing their brand of basketball. I remember at the, when I was at the game, it's the fourth quarter, it was like a six-point game. I remember thinking that even if the Nuggets lose this game, this is the most promising that I have felt when it comes to analyzing this Nuggets team. This felt like the step forward that this Nuggets team needed to take, regardless of the outcome of the game. They played like the Denver Nuggets finally. So because of that, I wanted to get into what those takeaways were and what really was able to transpire that makes me feel so much 
much more comfortable with where this team is at. And this has to start with the fact that Nikola Jokic has finally remembered how much fun it is to play winning basketball. To go out there and have, you know, as a team to put up 28 assists in a game and have the ball moving, to hit a game winner, to have Will Barton hit a big three, to take an offensive foul and get up screaming to the crowd. This was a playoff game to them. It felt that way. There was that kind of intensity and passion behind it. And that had not existed in any capacity other than the fourth quarter of the Portland game, in my opinion. So to see this Nuggets team finally have that enjoyment again, especially Nikola Jokic, that is the most important development, in my opinion. This feels like the game that can be a catalyst for Nikola Jokic. And this is the way I feel about Nikola Jokic. He is, um, I don't want to say he's like Kyrie because they're so entirely different, but the way that their their mental states can go in and out and alter on a whim, that is a similarity. So when I look at what makes Nikola Jokic go in and out of these slumps, I think it's just pure frustration and then things start to snowball. But the second that things get back to the way that they are supposed to be, there's all of a sudden a resurgence, a new, a, a re-energizing of Nikola Jokic, and it's almost like he flips the switch right back into being the player he was. And I really feel like this is going to be the game that catalyzes that process, that allows Nikola Jokic to comfortably get back to the player that he was last year and during the playoffs last year. If that happens, if this truly is the game that gets the Nuggets back on track and allows their best player to step back into that role and we don't have to question his aggressiveness and his effort anymore, if all of those things get fixed because of this win, the league is going to be very, very interesting because the Nuggets could start to blitz teams all of a sudden. Again, the Nuggets were 5-2 and two before this game without having their star player playing well and without them being able to hit any kind of shots of any kind that were wide open. If Nikola Jokic gets back to being Nikola Jokic and shots even start to fall at a you know league average level, this Nuggets team could start looking so much better so much quicker. I know that it sounds doom and gloom from all the things that I have said on this podcast, especially when it pertains to Nikola Jokic, but like I said before, the fabric of this team is built entirely around Nikola Jokic on both ends of the floor. So while Nikola Jokic playing bad will be destructive in so many different ways for this Nuggets team, him just going back and just being good again will fix almost all of their issues. Not all of them, of course not all of them, but you're talking about taking out 80% of the volatility of this Nuggets team so long as Nikola Jokic is just playing like Nikola Jokic. So, if he is having fun again, if this was the game that gets him back to being that guy, so many pieces of this Nuggets puzzle in 2019-20 are just going to suddenly fall into place perfectly because that's what Nikola Jokic does. That's why he's the greatest passing big man of all time. He can get everybody involved, get everybody into a rhythm without having to take a lot of shots himself while still being aggressive and carrying the Nuggets to wins. So that I feels like is on the way, which is such an important development for this Nuggets team, and I'm very, very curious to see how the, how Nikola Jokic plays on the road in Minnesota against Carl Anthony Towns um, on Sunday because that's going to be very revealing about where Nikola Jokic is mentally. Was this a one-off game in which he played extremely well, or was this a situation in which Nikola Jokic is back to being Nikola Jokic? Um, I would make the argument that for all of Nikola Jokic's 38 minutes last night, he played extremely good basketball. He was not able to hit a lot of shots in the first half, just like a lot of his teammates were, but they were the right shots. They were the right looks. They were generating the right plays. So overall, this was the Jokic game that everyone needed to see. Now let's see if he can build on it. Moving on, though. Jamal Murray had his most complete game of the year, and I know it sounds like this is a very, you know, 
micro scale um, observation from just this particular game, but I think it's more representative of where Jamal Murray is headed more so than where he is at. Jamal Murray was perfect in this game. I don't use that word often, and I especially don't use it with Jamal Murray because I have been a pretty harsh critic of what Jamal Murray brings to the table. This is exactly what the Nuggets need from Jamal Murray. Not only was he efficient, 10 of 18 from the field, 20 or 22 points, only took three threes but hit one of them, had five rebounds, 11 assists, so statistically he was great, two block shots and a steal, that's fine. It was the poise. It was the decision-making. It was the comfort at uncomfortable situations. It was the fact that despite... Jamal Murray having it in this game. Like, he was on. He was not calling his own number. He was getting his teammates involved. He was finding Paul Mills for open threes. He was feeding Will Barton in transition. He was passing plays up to get Nikola Jokic touches late in the game because he was more open. Some of the passes he was making in that fourth quarter, I didn't know he could make. These were... Jamal Murray has been a schematic point guard. Everything is methodical. He has created an advantage based on running this exact set. That fourth quarter, and honestly the majority of the game, was all instincts. He was actively creating new advantages that did not exist prior because of his gravity as a mid-range scorer and because he knew exactly how to manipulate those passing angles to create open lanes to get balls to players who are going to be able to convert. This was a masterful performance from Jamal Murray as a leader, as a floor general, as a poised clutch closer for this team, and as a defender. He was so good on defense in this game. He had to deal with Josh Richardson all damn night, and he handled him, man. Like, this is, if Jamal Murray can bottle this kind of a performance and be this kind of a player long-term, then you can start talking about the perfect symbiotic relationship between Nikola Jokic not being the alpha, but being the best player, and Jamal Murray being the second best player, but not being the alpha. That is an incredibly difficult balance to strike, but this game... This was exactly that balance. Nikola Jokic carried the Nuggets home. He was the best player on the floor. His 26 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists are why the Nuggets won this game, but they would have not been in that position if it was not for Jamal Murray's leadership, poise, and ability to operate under duress. He was phenomenal in this game, and there's not enough good things to say about his performance. And if he's able, again, if if he can take this with him, if this is a starting point for him, that this leadership that we have been seeing, that this poise that we have been seeing is building to something bigger... Again, this Nuggets team is going to take a drastic step forward. So I don't know if there is a more promising point in Jamal Murray's career than this game was against Philly. I know it seems weird. He only had 22 points. He had five rebounds. This is not like a crazy game. Like He was 10 of 18. There was nothing spectacular about it statistically. He was not this guy that was just a walking inferno who could not be stopped. It was the way that he perfectly played the game in the right way. And that is what is going to make this Nuggets team the best possible version. It may have not been Jamal Murray's individual performance for the ages. It was Jamal Murray's team performance for the ages, which is why, in my opinion, this was the most complete game that Jamal Murray has ever played as a professional. It was absolutely incredible to watch him handle this game in the way he did. Gary Harris and Paul Millsap have been all defense team caliber defenders this year. And while they have both struggled offensively at times, especially Gary Harris, it cannot be overstated how important Denver's defense is to their winning basketball games. Like I asked Mason Plumley about this a couple days ago. I so for so long, the Denver Nuggets have been perceived as a ball movement team, a team who plays selflessly and for each other. 
They were an offensive team. Their identity was offensive basketball for a half decade. It's been five years of that. This team is no longer an offensive identity team. This is a team that wins games on the back of their defense. They can win games with their offense. There's no denying that. They are incredible offensively. The reason that winning has become more sustainable for this Nuggets team is because of their defense, and that entirely is because Gary Harris and Paul Millsap set such a common... What's the right term for it? They raise the floor defensively so much for them. And they create an aura of sustainability for this defense. It's not just the Nuggets are getting lucky that teams are missing shots. It's the fact that they have two legitimate defenders who can guard multiple multiple positions, have an extremely high IQ, know how to play on or off ball that has allowed them to be so good this year. So... I had to at least include that. It's not. I don't have a whole lot of other takeaways to have from this, but I think this is going to continue. Gary Harris and Paul Millsap might both make All Defense teams this year if they keep this up. Will Barton's skill set, man. This is this is the the next big thing in my opinion. I have spoken about this extensively, but to see it play out in real time like this is different. Will Barton does everything this Nuggets offense needs to do to get out of this funk. They need to play faster. Will Barton and his defensive rebounding and ability to push the pace is right there for you. You need another floor spacer that has to be guarded so you have more spacing on the floor and a guy who can hit open threes. Will Barton's your guy. Jamal Murray struggling to create offense and Nikola Jokic is disengaged. Will Barton can run the offense. Oh, you need a guy who is willing to defend anybody in front of him regardless of it and actually battle and make an impact, Will Barton's got you. He has alleviated so much pressure from everybody else on the floor for the Denver Nuggets, and it has allowed the Nuggets to thrive offensively so much more than they were before. And again, they were they were still missing shots. But if you go back and rewatch this game, or if you go read my thread on Twitter where I cut a bunch of clips from the game. The Nuggets were getting good offensive looks in the first half. They just weren't falling. Those were the kind of looks you want to generate. The Nuggets' offense was humming. They were. So, despite all of those things, Will Barton, man, he continually keeps showing that he is the ideal starting small forward for this team, for the players that are currently on it, considering where they are at. Michael Porter Jr. in the long run probably has a better opportunity to be the, the, the ideal small forward, but he's so far away right now as a rookie just because he hasn't been able to play basketball in 500 days. So... As things are constructed, there is no better small forward for this Nuggets team than Will Barton. And that is going to be a very interesting development down the line because with Will Barton starting in the way he is, what does that mean for the rest of the small forwards? Obviously, Wancho has not been in the rotation, probably will not be. But in this game, this was a very interesting development in my opinion. Torrey Craig played four minutes and got pulled because the offense was a disaster off the bench and he put in Michael Porter Jr. Don't get me wrong, Michael Porter Jr. was not that much better. He really wasn't. Defensively, he was a disaster. Offensively, he was still trying to find out where to be. That tells me that Michael Malone is understanding that Torrey Craig's defensive deficiencies are really hurting what they bring to the table. And if Torrey Craig is not going to be a defender and he's going to be an offensively deficient player, he can't play. It just is what it is. So it looks like Michael Porter Jr. may step into the rotation ahead of Torrey Craig. That might happen. It happened in this game. Malone was not going to be willing to step in and say, oh yeah, I have changed the rotation. Torrey Craig is out. Michael Porter Jr. is in. But I think we're going to see Michael Porter Jr. play again on the road in Minnesota. And that's going to be an interesting thing to watch as well. 
Um, Denver's bench needs to figure out what the hell they're doing right now. That's like that was supposed to be their big advantage, and it's been their actually their Achilles heel. I, I it's so funny because I came into this game saying the Nuggets would lose by 15 and their bench would have to be, or if they weren't, the bench would have to win. Well, the Nuggets won by three and their bench was a disaster. So sure they're able to win without it, but that that bench unit's too talented to be struggling like this. I'm not ex- exactly sure what it is. I think it's just guys are missing shots and Jeremy Grant's still kind of finding his way, but. It's weird to see this bench unit struggling in the way they are. The last macro takeaway I have from this game is that the Nuggets were the most clutch team in basketball. They were 31-13 and 13 last year, led the NBA in clutch play. This year, they are 5-1 and one in clutch situations, and Nikola Jokic is shooting an 81.3 true shooting percentage in clutch. He has a plus 33.3 net rating in clutch situations. Last year, he had a plus 23 net rating in clutch situations. The Nuggets know how to get shit done. They're resilient. They don't die, and they have enough star power and individual shot making to win games late and now they have the defense and that's in my opinion why they have been so clutch and it's why they were able to have the biggest comeback win in the fourth quarter in Pepsi Center history against the 76ers. They were down by 19 headed to the fourth quarter and they ended up winning the fourth quarter 35 to 13. This team knows how to play clutch basketball and it's absolutely incredible for a team that is the second youngest roster in the NBA. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to answer some questions from listeners. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we just avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry honey I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. And getting started is just as simple. Go to roman.com slash bluewire and just complete an online visit erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle but now there's roman complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it just go to roman.com slash blue wire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping that's get roman.com slash blue wire for a free visit to start today get roman.com slash blue wire segment of this show which is answering some questions that came in from listeners of the show and fans of the Nuggets so let's dive into it Chandler Jenkins asks what is wrong with our bench units they have been routinely bad this year I think there's three things that go into this one the Nuggets can't hit open shots and it's been just as bad for their bench units so whether it's open threes or finishing at the rim 
the Nuggets reserves are really struggling in that way. Two, Jeremy Grant has just not fully immersed himself into this team yet. He's had some incredible moments and some very, very um, discombobulated moments where he's not sure where to be. That should get better over time. Things should catch up. If you know some shots start to fall a little bit quicker, I think it'll be better. Actually, I'm going to say there's four things. Uh, the next thing, the third thing, is that Monte Morris hasn't been great this year. He's had two really, really strong games, in my opinion. But other than that, he hasn't been the same back up point guard floor general he was last year. The Nuggets need more of that from their reserve units. Uh, the fourth and last thing I will say is that Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumlee, and Torrey Craig is a it's, just, it's a spacing disaster, in my opinion. Teams are not going to defend Torrey Craig, and they're not going to defend Mason Plumley. And if they're playing on the ball with Monte Morris, they're going to have enough room to be able to, you know, really stunt down and make things chaotic at the paint. So I think that's a big part of it as well. So how do you fix these things? Well, one. I do believe that Monte Morris would work himself through this, just like I think the Nugget shots will eventually fall. They've been the right shots. They're getting where they want to be. They're just not falling. Same thing goes for Jeremy Grant. The longer he plays, the more comfortable he gets. He will find his rhythm. I do believe that. I think the Nuggets need to play Michael Porter Jr. over Torrey Craig. Maybe play both of them and open up your lineup to 11 guys for your rotation, but... The Nuggets need more floor spacing and more offensive firepower, full stop. And if they're going to do that, they need to not play Torrey Craig, who has not been good defensively and has not been good offensively, and they need to play Michael Porter Jr., who has all this God-given ability and needs reps. So I think those are the ways that you can really find a way to bend this bench unit back to where it needs to be. Uh, CJ Morgan asks, Do you think Jamal Murray can be the best player on a championship team? I think that... The game against the 76ers was the first step towards me realizing that this is actually a possibility. Jamal Murray, before he has grown as a leader in this way and has shown so much poise, I did not think could ever be a best player on a championship team. That's not an indictment on him. There's like eight players in the league that can be the best player on a championship team. So it's not like this is an, you know, an attack on him, but this is the thing. Like I talked about when I talked about um, this game, what was important from it, if Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray can strike this balance, where Jamal Murray is the alpha and he's this poised leader on the floor while Nikola Jokic is the best player, then yes, I think Jamal Murray can be perceived as the alpha on a championship team. I don't know if there's a way that you just build a superstar roster around Jamal Murray where Jamal Murray is the best player. I don't think that that's on, like, on the table. Maybe he develops into that player, but as of right now, I am giving a lot more credence to the possibility that Jamal Murray could be the leader in alpha on a championship team that has a player like Nikola Jokic on it that allows the pressure to kind of be taken off of his shoulders. I will say this though, this game was a massive step forward in my perception of Jamal Murray. This is the player he needs to be, man. Like this is what makes the Nuggets the best version of themselves is when he's playing like this. And if he can continue to build on this, Denver's going to be damn dangerous coming forward. Um, Anton Twitter asks, is Jamal Murray becoming the consistent player people would hoped he would be? I don't know if we can proclaim that he's that consistent player yet. He has been that consistent player since the loss at New Orleans. There's no arguing that. He needs to do it for more than five games or four games. It's just it's not enough. Um, I would say that, the, that this is the first 48 minutes where Jamal Murray was perfect for every single minute. That is definitely a take of mine, but I'm not sure if I'm willing to go all the way to this is Jamal Murray being consistent now.
It just takes more time than that. Uh, Denver Nuggets fans on Twitter ask, is the resilience back? Talk about this win and the effect on the future season. So, yes, as I said before, the Nuggets are the most clutch team in basketball. I don't think the resilience ever left. I don't think that's ever been a thing. I think, sure, when the game's out of hand entirely, then sure, Nuggets let go of the rope sometime, or when they're too far ahead, they let go of the rope sometimes. But no, the resilience has always been there. This Nuggets team does not die. I don't care where they're at mentally. They just don't let go of the rope. They fight and fight and fight and fight, which is why they were able to erase a 19-point lead. So, and also, like I was saying before, I really think that this is the kind of win that can have a massively positive impact throughout the entire roster that gets this Nuggets team back on track. Last question coming in from Woody. Was the second half the extra gear the Nuggets have, or do they just play bad slash miss shots in the first half? I thought the Nuggets played damn good basketball in the first half. Yeah, they were down by 15. I don't care. They played good basketball. If it wasn't for the fact that Furkan Korkmaz and Kyle O'Quinn were just completely unstoppable. They were 9 of 12 from the field combined, and almost all of that came in the first half. I don't think this game would have looked as bad. The Nuggets' offense could not hit shots. There's no hiding from that, but they were creating the right ones. They were running this team in transition and really creating a lot of pace. Nikola Jokic was aggressive. Their defense was good. It was a situation in which they hit a lot of threes. And after having them hit 9 of their 12 threes in the first half, they held them to 4 of 14 in the second half and all of a sudden the Nuggets look much better so I don't think it was a thing where the Nuggets were just much worse in the first half I thought that things just didn't really go in their favor that's it that's all I got I know it's kind of a long podcast thanks for sticking through with it this was a very important win in my opinion so there's going to be more and more conversations to be had though so make sure you subscribe to the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast wherever you listen to podcasts make sure you leave those five-star reviews make sure you leave me a quick little um, blurb about what you think about the podcast leave those actual written comments about it share it on social media all those things are so helpful so from the bottom of my heart thank you guys for sticking around there's been a lot of great feedback I've been getting from people so thank you to all those people who have been sending me feedback I'm sorry if I haven't been able to respond to you yet but I promise you I've seen it it's been a very 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 busy start to this season so it's hard to reply to everything but until next time this has been the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast presented by Roman and presented by Indochino and presented by Terrapin Care Station and presented by the Regulators Production Group until next time have a great rest of your day and stay safe out there. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet, with ample parking at every location for a senior retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com.